Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to the online gathering for Samanach Baptist Church for Sunday, July 24th, 2022. My name is David Johnson. I'm blessed to serve as the pastor here at Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining me for this online gathering. I would love to welcome you to one of our in-person gatherings. We currently meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. If you're local and you do not have a congregation you call home, we would love to welcome you to be with us as we gather each week in the presence of Jesus to be formed as followers of King Jesus. We're called to worship by a reading from Psalm 85. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. This is God's word. Let us pray. King Jesus, we ask for your presence to restore us. We ask for your spirit's presence to revive us again so that as your people, we may rejoice in you. We thank you that in your son, you have shown us your steadfast love and you have answered our prayer. You have granted us your salvation. So now we gather together as your covenant people asking that you would give us ears to hear what God the Lord will speak because you are a God who speaks peace to your people and that peace that you have spoken to us has turned our hearts toward you. In your son's steadfast love and faithfulness meet 
in him righteousness and peace have embraced. You are a God who gives what is good. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply, and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we may lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our reading from the Gospels today comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. This is another tradition where Luke accounts for us how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and notice how specific he is. In some traditions, we've been taught that we should not repeat the Lord's Prayer. That is in disobedience to what Jesus says here in Luke 11. He says to us, when you pray, say these things. So oftentimes our discipline has been when we enter into times of planned prayer, we set the tone by repeating these most holy words that Jesus gives to us. Luke 11 verses 1 to 13, he was praying in a certain place and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the gospel of King Jesus. We're in part six this morning of our summer series called Snapshots from the Hebrew Bible. This is snap, snap, snapshot, excuse me, number six. And the text that I want us to pay attention to together today is the text that we started with last week. We looked at Genesis 18 verses one to 16. And this week we're gonna look at Genesis 18 verses 16 to 33. That verse 16 is a hinge between the hospitality of Abraham in verses 1 to 15, and then how these two things overlap in that God now is moving towards the enemies of God's people 
And Abraham is now going to show us how he wants his offspring to relate to the culture around them. So Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 to 33, all the way back in chapter 12, God began this story where he is going to bring blessing to all the nations through a family that behaves a certain way. Before we unpack Genesis 18, verses 16 to 33, let us pray. Word of God made flesh, come to us now in the written word of God. The grass it withers, the flowers they fall, but the word of our God remains forever. So now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer. Together we say, amen. What person or event do you remember from your school days? Elementary school, middle school, high school? What person or event do you remember from your school days? Was, was that memory fond or difficult? Was the memory of that person fond or difficult? I have a very fond memory of winning our basketball regional championship my senior year. The game went back and forth. The game went into overtime. At the end of the overtime, we had the ball with a minute left. We held the ball until the final seconds. I had the ball with five seconds to go. I drove, I passed to Darren. Darren made this crazy turnaround shot and we won our regional championship. Such a fond memory. I have a fond memory of my high school teacher, Mr. Kofer. Mr. Kofer taught me that I was capable of excelling at the highest levels of math. He had a way of, of helping you believe that you could do the challenges of physics and calculus and trigonometry. I also have a difficult memory. I have a difficult memory of high school biology and high school physical science. Don't remember much of what I was taught. In fact, this morning, I basically can only recall one thing that I remember from high school biology and physical science. It's this, when a living organism feels threatened, it will respond in one of two ways. Do you remember this? When a living organism feels threatened, it will respond in one of two ways, two ways, fight or flight. Most of us would likely agree, perhaps for different reasons, that the church in the United States feels threatened. Would you agree? Different aspects of culture seem to be pushing against what the church regards as our responsibility in the world. Or perhaps for other reasons, because of mistakes that churches and church leaders have made, that has weakened the church. And we're in this state, regardless of how or why we got here, where we feel threatened. And I think like other organisms, we are going to feel tempted to fight or to flee, to resist or retreat. Furthermore, under the surface, 
we likely feel drawn to communities. We likely feel drawn to churches that line up with our propensity to fight or flee. We're seeing this. A lot of people are leaving churches for other churches. And one of the things that I've noticed is that if my propensity is to fight when I feel threatened, I will feel drawn to a community that kind of calls me into this antagonism, calls me in to this fight response. Or if my wiring is more lined up with that negative, that response of, of fleeing and, and withdrawing and, and, and kind of stepping away from the culture, I can find a community that will allow me to feel when I gather together that I have somehow escaped. Does this resonate with you? This temptation to either flee culture or fight culture. Sky Jatani, a pastor in Wheaton, tells us that both the fight or flight response are really two sides of the same coin. That they both stem from feeling threatened and then that feeling of threat leads us then to a desire to control, to make the world less frightening again. Beloved, both the fight or flight response are rooted in the belief that the world is a dangerous and frightening place that needs to be controlled. Beloved, I don't believe that's the way Jesus saw and related to the world. I don't believe Jesus saw the world as this dangerous and frightening place that needed to be controlled. The Psalms tell us even when the world around us is under the shadow of death. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fight. We don't have to flee. We don't have to view the world as dangerous and frightening, a place that needs to be controlled. Beloved, Jesus saw and related to the world as a faithful son of Abraham. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was, according to the genealogies in Matthew, a descendant of Abraham. And when I see the way Jesus saw and related to the world, I see something very similar. I see some continuity between the way we see Abraham relate to the world in Genesis 18. The first scene of this fascinating story is basically in verses 16 through 19, and then verse 30. Three. Look at verse 16. Then the men, these three messengers that we saw last week as kind of this foreshadowing of the Trinity, set out from there. And they looked, the preposition in my English Bible is toward Sodom. Sodom is the prototype of a society that is against the ways of God. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? No, for I have chosen him, that he may charge his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring about for Abraham what he has promised. 
So there's this theme of, of journeying towards Sodom. And then there's this strange interaction where God wants Abraham to journey with him towards Sodom so he can see that God is a God who cares about righteousness and justice. The word here, righteousness, comes from the word norm. In other words, laws are supposed to be righteous. And a righteous law is a law where everyone, even the most vulnerable, can flourish. And justice is the righteous response of God's people when people aren't being treated righteously. And this is what's going on in Sodom. As we saw last week in Ezekiel, Sodom doesn't care for poor people. Sodom doesn't lift an eye to the needs around them. Sodom is arrogant. Sodom is going to treat these messengers that are coming towards them as objects for their violent pleasure. They are going to be assaulted. And God cares about victims of assault. So Sodom is this place of evil and rebellion. But here's how I would summarize the scene. The world where terrible things happen. So I think Jesus is going to call us, to kind of call a time out here, Jesus is going to call us to not view the world and relate to the world as if it's frightening and dangerous and needs to be controlled. And again, that desire to control is always going to lead us to either fight against it or to flee from it. So the world, though, is a place where terrible things happen, where things like are happening in Sodom are happening around the world right now, are happening in Ukraine are happening all around our country right now. Yes, the world is a place where terrible things happen. But here's how I would summarize this scene. The world where terrible things happen is the world God is taking a journey toward. That's the important preposition this morning. Toward. There's this journey toward. So the beginning of this story that I've just read in 16 to 19, trying God with his covenant partner Abraham, is moving toward Sodom. And the covenant partner is coming along learning that God is a God who cares about righteousness and justice, that God is a God who cares about systemic evil, that God is a God who cares for those who are pressed by evil. Then notice the last verse in chapter 18, verse 33. And the Lord went his way. His way is toward Sodom. When he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Beloved, the world where terrible things happen is the world God is taking a journey toward. One of my favorite Old Testament theologians, Christopher Wright, speaks this with a very good English accent that I will not attempt to imitate. He says this, There is a certain irony in the biblical narrative that records Abraham being called out of the land of Babel. That's where he's from. He's from the modern Babylon later on in the history of God's people. He gets called from there, right, continues, not into some heavenly paradise, but into the land of Sodom. And then listen to these words. Whatever else the story of redemption will be, It is not a story of escapism. Beloved, Paul's letter to the Galatians, Jesus himself says, 
we are sons and daughters of Abraham by virtue of our union with Christ, the true seed of Abraham. Beloved, we are not following the ways of Yahweh by seeking to escape the world. So Genesis 18 will not allow us to flee. The world where terrible things happen is the world God is taking a journey toward. It's not a world that we should control. Second scene, verses 20 to 32. The world where terrible things happen is the world God's people plead for. The world where terrible things happen first is the world God is taking a journey toward and taking us along with him so that we can see how he relates to the world. But secondly, the world where terrible things happen is the world God's people plead for. Look at verse 20. And the Lord said, How great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah and how very grave their sin. I must go down. I must go down and see, just like God went down to see what was going on in Babel, the land from which Abram was called. He now goes down to Sodom to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. He's coming as the judge of all the earth to deal with injustice. Verse 22, so the men turned from there and went toward Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. So the image is like that one of the men stays, the other two go. Then Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Do you see the heart of Abraham here? The God who makes his promises is going towards the evil city of Sodom where the outcries of injustice have heard, been heard by God in heaven. And God is going toward, and, and Abraham is shaped in the image of this God. And what does he care about? Will you show them mercy? Suppose there are 50 righteous people within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not forgive it? For the 50 righteous who are in it, far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous may fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of the earth do what is just? Again, Abraham's offspring are supposed to care about justice. Are supposed to care when, when society is, is oppressing the most vulnerable. And the Lord said, if I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. I am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous people are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him. Suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. And he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. He said, let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And he said, oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak just once more. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way. When he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Beloved, for reasons 
probably too complicated for us to narrow down, which, by the way, is another desire for control. The church in the United States feels threatened. And this text, I think, reminds us that as the sons and daughters of Abraham, by virtue of our union with Christ, who is the true offspring of Abraham, we are to be shaped in the image of the God who called and made promises to Abraham. And we are to be shaped into the image of the true seed of Abraham, Jesus. And in this story, we see an epiphany, a display of what the God of the Bible is like and then what the people of God are like when we reflect the image of that Bible. Because as Frederick Buechner said, here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Do not be afraid. Why? Because just like Abraham, in a world where unjust things are happening, what Abraham knew is that God was with him is that God was speaking to him and that God was taking a journey toward the world. Not to control it, not to fight it. Jesus himself tells his disciples, do not resist the ones who oppress you. The Roman soldier says, carry my pack for a mile, says, sure, I'll carry it with you two miles. Beloved, the world where terrible things happen is the world God is taking a journey toward. And the world where terrible things happen is the world God's people plead for. Beloved, we must not fight. We must not flee. As we heard Paul tell Timothy last week, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. Beloved, culture warriors are disobeying the Bible. But instead, when we serve the Lord, we are kind to everyone. We are able to teach. We are not resentful. When we come upon opponents, we must gently instruct them. Why? In the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and what? Escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. William Gurnall was a, a Puritan pastor and he offers us this wisdom in light of this passage. In battle, when the enemy comes riding up the valiant soldier, he is angry, not with the horse, but the horseman, he labors against the man that he may possess the horse for his use. Thus we do with the wicked. We are not to bend our wrath against them, but against Satan that rides them and spins them on, laboring how? By prayer for them. As Christ did on the cross. Do you know this? on the cross, feeling threatened. Jesus prayed for those who were killing him. To dismount the devil, that so these miserable souls, overused by him, 
may be delivered from him. Beloved, may this text shape our thoughts about feeling threatened as a church. By God's grace, when we feel threatened, when we feel weakened, when we feel even attacked, in obedience to King Jesus, the true seed of Abraham, we will not fight, we will not flee. And all of God's people said, Amen. King Jesus, we admit that we feel afraid. We admit that that feeling of fear wake, awakens within us this desire to control the world through fighting it or fleeing it. Yoke us as a church to you that we may be a people who walk with you towards the world that is threatening us, not to fight, not to flee, but to plead for them. That you may liberate, that you may redeem. Through self-emptying love, we pray through the Son and by the Spirit, and together we say, amen. Thank you for joining me for this online gathering. I now invite you to receive our final benediction. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.